0: became a father for the fourth time? Never so much applause on that part. Really no applause, right? Because after the third kid, people stop congratulating you. Then they just treat you like you're Amish. Four, well, that's one way to live your life. Can you build us one of those wood fireplaces? Four kids. Four kids. If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning and then someone hands you a baby. The good news is we live in a two bedroom apartment, so I thought it through. I haven't slept in seven years. I didn't always look like this, I'm actually Puerto Rican. The wear and tear of parents. I used to have thick black hair. I was muy guapo. mas. No more guapo.
1: Good morning. Uh, I recently became a father for the fourth time as well. Good news was uh, we were living with my in-laws at the time, so I obviously thought that through. I haven't slept in seven years either, or at least that's what it feels like. Uh, for those of you who I haven't met, I'm John Peters. Um, the Bridge is the church home for my wife and I in our family for the past three years. Um, I'm privileged to serve on the Bridge leadership team with a great group of guys, many of whom have uh, been speaking over the past few weeks. In Jerry's absence, and he will be back in two weeks. Um, ordinarily, I'm a partner in a real estate investment company here in Eau Claire. Uh, before that, my wife and I served with the church plant in Ireland. Bridge Kids. Speaking of kids, Uh, Bridge Kids are dismissed. Thank you. Uh, Before that, we served with a church plant in Ireland. And uh, I'm here today because I feel the church has an awesome mission, both here and around the world. Um, I feel the gospel of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world, and I, I believe the church is the primary means for communicating and living that hope of that good, uh, the hope of that good news out, so I'm pleased to be here to be able to open up scripture and walk through that with you this morning uh, you'll have to forgive the introduction um, it's a funny it's a funny sketch I didn't play it just to be cheeky or um, but being a, a natural introvert, I find if I can get myself to laugh before standing up in, in front of a room full of uh, people, that's a good start. But more importantly, two more important reasons. Um, He touched on something in that short sketch that recently uh, resonated with me. And when I say resonated, I mean uh, when my wife and I watched that for the first time, we were laughing and then crying and then laughing again and then crying again. Um, It's been an incredibly busy and stressful and Uh, time for us uh, this past few months. And when our fourth son, Andrew, was born in October I felt like I was drowning and somebody had literally handed me a baby. And so um, during those times I'd like to say that I could get up in the morning and have long extended quiet times and read long passages of scripture, books at a time, but I just couldn't. But when I did open up the word, I found myself gravitating towards uh, short passages, uh, something I could read and digest in one sitting, that I could breathe in and and, uh, feel nourished by. And so I found the parables to be uh, stories that I kept returning to. And this morning, and for the next two weeks, we'll We'll look at one parable in particular. It's about a father and his sons, two of them, not four, um, but a father nonetheless. It's not a parenting talk per se, uh, but it is a short story that we'll be we'll be looking at and discussing over the next two weeks. It's in Luke 15. If you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you um, to raise your hand. I think we have a few ushers who are able to pass some out. We won't have the passage on the PowerPoint this morning, so in order to follow along, it would be best if you do have a Bible in front of you, and so uh, we'll just take the next few seconds and do that. I'll pray as we get started. Father God, I I just want to thank you for the opportunity you've given us as a church to come meet together, fellowship with one another. Just for the awesome calling that you've given us to to be hope, uh, to be salt and light, uh, to be your love in this world. I pray you bless our time. I pray that uh, the words I speak are the ones that you would want me to speak. Uh, I thank you so much for for your son. Um, I thank you so much for this church. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll be in Luke 15 beginning in verse 11. This is most commonly known as the parable of the prodigal son. That's what I've known it as. That's what most of your Bibles might label it as. And one of the challenges with a passage that's so familiar is we can read it, from a young age, and then when we get a little bit older, we start to gloss over passages like this that, that we think are so familiar. So my encouragement this morning is that you would um, approach the story again with fresh eyes. Luke fifteen eleven. There was a man who had two sons. So begins one of the most famous, if not the most famous story that Jesus tells in the Gospels, like I said, it's, it's most commonly known as the parable of two sons. This morning, I've renamed it, O oh Brother, O oh True Brother, Where Art Thou? And I'll get into that in a second. That's obviously a takeoff uh, from one of my favorite movies, a Coen Brothers film that came out in 2011, O oh Brother, Where Art Thou? It's about three escaped convicts set in the deep south in, in the 1930s who go on a long, epic journey. Each of them are flawed characters, but they're saved from peril at different points, and ultimately, um, they're in relationships that get reconciled. Continuing on. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his son, Father, give me my share of the estate and so the father divided the property between them. Now in this culture, the estate would normally be divided after the father dies. So the younger son is in effect saying that he can't wait for the father to die. Ordinarily an incredible insult, and the father would have had, uh, would have been able to, to completely disown his son, but that's not what the father does. The father divides the estate between his two sons. Not long after that, verse 13, the younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. This was no Norwegian bachelor party. This was wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. It gets even worse. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So, to a Jewish audience that Jesus would have been telling this story to, this is the definition of lost. Okay? You have a man outside of Israel, in a foreign country, hungry and feeding pigs. So this is lost. Okay. Now, what might the audience be expecting next? You know, sometimes you can start hearing a story and halfway through you, you imagine how you think it's going to end. Now, to get a better idea of that, we'll zoom out a little bit and look at Luke 15 as a whole. And what we find is that this story is the third in a series of three parables that Jesus tells. And so if we go back to Luke 15.1, we get a little bit more of the setting. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around him, Jesus, to hear. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Or, continuing in verse 8, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, She calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. So do you see the story pattern here? There's a lost sheep. Somebody searches out and finds it. And they celebrate. That's the first story. The second story, there's a lost coin. And the woman searches out and finds it. And then she celebrates. And in the third story, these stories that Jesus kind of puts together, in the third story, there's this lost son. Remember? In a foreign country, hungry, feeding pigs, there's this lost son. And so, what might we expect? What might the audience expect next? Well, maybe somebody to go out and search for him. And who would that person be? Well, probably not the elderly father. He might get detained at customs for not declaring the fruit and vegetables in his carry-on, but... Sorry, probably not the father, because ancient travel was dangerous, it was long, it was dirty, it was tiring, just something that patriarchs, uh, patriarchs of a family would, would not ordinarily do in ancient times. So the person most likely to be sent out to search for the younger brother would have been the older brother, the older adult brother. Okay. So, back to our story. Ready to cue the older brother, right? I'll go back uh, a couple verses in verse 15. So the younger son went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating but no one gave him anything to eat all right younger brother ready to come on carry on verse 17 when he pardon me older brother ready to come in but we carry on verse 17 when he the younger brother comes to his senses he said but how many of my father's hired men have food to spare and here i am starving to death i'll set out go back to my father and say to him father I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. And so he got up and went to his father. So what doesn't happen here? What doesn't happen here that would follow the pattern of the previous two stories that Jesus lumps together. Well, nobody goes out and looks for the younger brother. Nobody, in particular, the older brother, doesn't go out and look for the younger brother. Hence, O brother, where art thou? It's not like the, the older brother isn't there. He's in the story. He's just a flawed character. He fails to live up to what we might expect him to do, to what the audience is, is expecting him to do. So continuing on in the story. Verse 20. So he got up, the younger son, and went to his father. Let's have a feast and celebrate. So at least they get the, the final part of that sequence. Okay, there was something lost. The brother was lost. There's a void. Nobody goes out and looks for him, but they do celebrate when he's returned. So, let's hear a little bit more about the older brother. Verse twenty-five. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked them what was going on. "Your brother has come," he replied, "and your father has killed the fattened calf because he was—he has him back safe and sound." For the older brother to go out, for him to fulfill what we might have expected him to do and search out his younger brother, it would have cost him a lot. Remember, the estate had already been divided once by the father, and the younger son had gone off and squandered his portion of the estate. And so for the older brother to go out, find his younger brother, bring him back into reconciliation with the father, would have meant that the estate in the future would have been divided again between the younger brother and older brother again. And he knows this, and he's bitter. 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. And so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes, when he comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. So one of the things we find about this story, and we'll talk a little bit more about this next week, is that both brothers are lost. The younger brother, a little bit more obviously, he's gone off, squandered everything he had. The older brother, who stayed home, was still lost and alienated from the father. The apparent reasons that he had stayed and helped his father are proved to be shallow and disingenuous. He thought the father owed him something. He was working with the Father, not out of love and devotion, but out of um, counting up what he would have in the future. Finishing the story, the Father says, My son, you were always with me. Everything I have is yours, but we had to celebrate. And be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. At the end of the story, we still don't know whether the older brother goes into the feast or not. There's still kind of a cliffhanger there but when we look at the entire context of Jesus is talking to Pharisees and teachers of the law, the older brothers in that society, his immediate parable doesn't finish with resolution, but each of them are presented with the choice of whether they come in and join the Father and feast and celebrate and celebrate the fact that sinners and tax collectors are being brought in and worshiping with the Father. One of the books that I I read, one of the devotional books that I was reading over these past few months, both on this passage and on Luke, that, that uh, I found rewarding was a book called Prodigal God by Tim Keller. And I'd like to read a passage from there. And, and he draws on one of some work of one of his mentors, Edmund Clowning. But I'd like to read a passage from there that I think summarizes the flawed elder brother of this story and what Jesus is getting at ultimately. And Keller writes, By putting a flawed older brother in the story... Jesus is inviting us to imagine and yearn for a true one. And we have him. Think of the kind of brother we need. We need one who does not just go to the next country to find us, but who will come all the way from heaven to earth. We need one who is willing to pay not just a finite amount of money, but at the infinite cost to his own life, to bring us into God's family, For our debt is so much greater. Either as elder brothers or as younger brothers, we have rebelled against the father. We deserve alienation, isolation, and rejection. The point of the parable is that forgiveness always involves a price. Somebody has to pay. There is no way for the younger brother to return to the family unless the older brother bore the cost himself. Our true older brother paid our debt on the cross, in our place. There, Jesus was stripped of his robe and dignity so we could be clothed with dignity and standing we don't deserve. On the cross, Jesus was treated as an outcast so we could be brought into God's family freely by grace. There, Jesus drank the cup of eternal justice so we might have the cup of the Father's joy. There is no way for the Heavenly Father to bring us in except at the expense of our true older brother. And my question, O oh, true brother, where, are, where art thou? Well, in Luke 15, he's the one telling the story. So he's not in the story, but he's telling the story, so he's in the story. He's in our story. And the story that he tells from start to finish in Scripture is that we were lost in our own sin, that Jesus was sent to seek out and save the lost, Luke nineteen ten. Um, it's one of my favorite verses. It said the Son of Man was sent to seek and save the lost. We were lost. Jesus was sent. And to those that understand that story, that accept that free gift of grace, we celebrate. One day we celebrate there's still a celebration. So this little story in Luke 15 is a little highlight, a little preview of Scripture from front to back. O true brother, where art thou? Please pray with me. Father, um, I just thank you and praise you for sending your son to seek us out. came from heaven to earth, and through him, through his death on the cross, through his resurrection, you have offered us reconciliation to you. You have offered us a chance to come back into your family, and you have offered us one day a chance to celebrate like none other with you. Amen.